we go. Life Jitsu, Art of Life. Trying to uh, construct better and better life. Trying to build, people building. Start with yourself. So, self-love is the most important love. That's the love that everything else, every other love springs from that. You have self-loathing. I mean, you see this kid, Avicii, the... He had a residency here in Las Vegas, 28 years old, dead. And it's just tragic. I didn't, I never knew him, and I didn't listen to his music, but it's tragic when you see any life cut short prematurely, and especially someone that talented who just was on it. And it reminded me of... Um, you know, I do a lot of the mind jitsu art of mind. And one of the clients I had was a, a world-class athlete, a world champion. And he won a world championship. And a couple of weeks after winning that world title, he called me up. And uh, he was depressed, really depressed, feeling down. He said, what, you know, Frank, what's going on? Why do I feel like this? I just won a world title. And I think it's interesting. I just had a conversation with a very successful multimillionaire this past week. We had a Starbucks. We were supposed to be an hour meeting. Turned into a three-hour meeting, and we didn't talk really that much about work. We talked about life. We talked about philosophy. We talked about people committing suicide. You know, when you're at a season of your life where you have to blow things up and change change your life and realize what's important. What's the meaning of life? What is it? And this guy said the same thing to me that world champion said. He said, I made all this money. I made all these millions. And I thought, and I was buying all these things and houses and just empty. And I tell you, it's way worse. When you have a lot of money and you're depressed, it's way worse than someone who's broke and depressed because that person that is broke and depressed if they're smart still has a lot of hope that person who's broke and depressed can say hey listen there's still a dangling carrot there you could say listen if I could just make more money and have more resources and I can create more fun things and more fun events and spread more love and donate more money and when I make the money I'll be able to fix 70% or so of these problems. Whether it's true or it's false, when you're broke and you're not making a lot of money, and I've been there, you can convince yourself that, hey, there's still, when I get the money, it'll change. But when you're rich and you're making millions and you're winning world titles and you finally get, you're finally doing a lot of the things you always dreamed of, And then when you still feel empty, when you still feel hollow, when the problems still remain, when the emptiness still remains, then what do you do now? You're really in a rough spot. Perversely and paradoxically, you're really in a rough spot now. Now what do you throw at it to fix it? When the things you thought all along, oh, if I get that, then I'm good. 
do you do when you get you get the world title, you feel empty. You get the millions, you feel empty. And so I've sat down with people like that. I've felt that. You realize that I, re- I use this line in the, the, the Vici, and I'm not looking that on anybody because I get it. I get why people get to low spots and why they feel down. I get it. I mean, this kid had, you know, he had some drug problems. I mean, it's tragic. Very talented kid. But the meaning of life is to give life meaning. And I'm in a chapter of my life where the wisdom that rings through me the most is appreciate and value the simple life. The simple life is the best life, but seeing the smile on your kid's face, going for a hike in the mountains, being with someone you love and watching the sunset, the wind in your face when you're cycling or you're running, being out there on, you know, at a pool and the sun is just coming down on you, the world stands still. Dinner, conversation, the art of conversation with friends, with interesting people, learning new things, listening to people and and, and things that have worked for them, the wisdom coming from their their experience. Going to work out, movement, motion therapy, right? Exercise, exorcism, exercising out of you. All of the, you know, ventilating, all the things, the heavy things, the stresses. Get the blood moving, the blood pumping, those simple things. That's what you build around. The constants. And if you can't, if, if you can't, if I can't, if we can't value the little things, if we can't appreciate the little things, they're the most numerous. They're the most abundant. Most things in life are going to be the little things. The little things add up, and that's most of your life for the little moments. If we can't appreciate the little moments, we're never going to have a beautiful big hole. We're never going to be happy. And both are important, the material wealth and resources and the immaterial, the spirit, the moral Both are extremely important. They're yin and yang. They're balance. They're both huge. So I'm not saying, look, I've been broke. And the solution to a lot, I mean, I've been so broke that I couldn't, I didn't have gas to go see people I loved. I didn't have money. I mean, you know, I I didn't have money to take a a friend to to, to lunch, drive across, across town to a meeting, counting pennies, paying in coins. I've been there, done that a lot paralyzed by by a lack of money. You need money in this world. And if you make a lot of it, you have a lot more freedom. You own a lot of your life. You can finance a lot of the things you believe in. You can help a lot of the people you want to help. You can implement your ideas more. You can hire an army of people to help you. There are ways to do it without money, but unfortunately you've got to be even more of a Jedi. Money can make your life easier in a lot of ways, if you know what you're doing. No two ways about it. Beautiful thing. People should never, they should not demonize money. Money is a measure of some things, and it is needed. The more resources, the better. But it also can corrupt. It also can blind. And we know that the inner is the most important thing. So that's what, a smart person builds around in a simple life. And I 
see all these people like, well, and what should I do? What What's my purpose? And again, I see people say, well, do what, some good advice I've heard, do what makes you jump out of bed in the morning. Do what excites you. I mean, some, you know, TED speaker, do what excites you and do what you love. And these are solid advice. It's solid elementary advice. But it's not top of the pyramid. It's not for most people. What should I do? Don't think what I love, what excites me. In general, that's going to mislead you. People love playing video games, shouldn't be playing video games six, eight hours a day. Bad idea, bad investment. I loved basketball. One of the most fun things I could do was play basketball, pick up basketball. We'd go landscape. We landscaped for 10 years under the hot sun. I liked it. I liked hard work. We would go landscape for wake up early, 7 a.m., landscape till whatever, 4 or 5 p.m., go run ball. We call it run ball. Let's run. Run ball. Three, four hours, pick up basketball. Then we go lift weights. Then we go out that night. Then we eat at 2 or 3 in the morning, sleep for four hours, and then get up and do it all over again with the landscaping. But when you, you look at that, I was like, wow, I love pick-up basketball. But listen, Frank, and I was a tenacious defender. I was a good defender. My team's won. I set picks. I did the dirty work. I loved it. Loved the competition. But guess what? It was a bad, I realized one day, bad investment of my time. I'm never going to be really good at basketball. I was on teams that won. It was fun. What did it matter? It didn't make me any money. Sucked up three, four hours of my day. What was the point? There were better investments of my time. There wasn't a really strong ROI there, return on investment. So I stopped playing basketball. And I stopped playing video games, too, because I wasn't anything special at that. I loved them, but they're a bad use of time. So I think, you know, that the I love whatever factor. I, don't, I personally don't like that one. I think when you want your purpose, think Inverted, just like a lot of knowledge. A lot of knowledge in the world. A lot of knowledge. Dana White said it to me at UFC. I'm driving by UFC, by the way, right now. That's beautiful serendipity, beautiful sign right there, beautiful coincidence. Driving right by the UFC headquarters, 215 and Jones here in Las Vegas. Dana White said it. I always remember it. Simple advice, beautiful advice. So Frank, I know all the mistakes you can make in this business because I've made them all. And that's how a lot of my learning was growing up in Baltimore. A lot of my best life learning. I didn't have the Jedis and the mentors. I didn't have as much of that. Maybe I wasn't as coach boy as I should have been. Maybe I was unlucky growing up in Baltimore and we just didn't have these business Jedis everywhere you look. But in any event, a lot of my learning, like Abe Lincoln, like Dana White, the hard way, trial and error, everything not to do is what led me closer to what do you do. A lot of the things, I did so many of the things not to do, well-intended things, started to learn, okay, 30-some years of that, a lot of what not to do taught me what to do, inverted, trial and error, troubleshooting, reverse learning, that's like that for a lot of people, what's my purpose, what's your purpose, what would you crawl for, what would you bleed for, what would you drown for, what would you die for, answer those questions, and that will illuminate your purpose. 
that's when you're barking up the right tree. I didn't get that from anybody else, by the way. I learned that by, by through life, through experience, through intuition, what I just said to you. I didn't read anyone's book. Read book, read book. Yeah, read books up to a point. Learn how to think. Not what to think, how to think. Start thinking for yourself. Every book doesn't have solutions for you. Yeah, it can shorten your learning curve. It's a paradox. It can be wonderful. It can shorten your learning curve. On the other hand, you get too too much into, into that, and you got to balance it because too much imitation, not enough innovation. You go up in the mountains like Einstein did in Switzerland, like I do. You'd be amazed what will come to you. Surrender to something greater. You let it work through you. You clear your mind of the pollution, the clutter, the distractions. You get out there, you'd be amazed what will come to your own brain. You don't need to read as many books as you think you do. You can read a lot of them. But the answers are already in you, too. Just like the sages figured them out when they didn't have the Internet. They didn't have Google at their fingertips. They figured them out. And that's how I, that's my approach to what's your purpose. It's my definition of it. What would you crawl for? What would you drown for? What would you die for? What would you shave years of your life off for? That's it. You answer that question, you'll have your purpose. That's the crystal ball you need for that. That's what we get into every time I see these suicides, you know, top 10, two of the top 10 MMA trainers in the world, right? Both died prematurely. One died of a heart attack. One killed himself. Still died prematurely. One, you know, neither one of them was living like I'm sure they wanted to live at that high level. We got to... Meaning of life is to give life meaning. Find your purpose. I just told you an approach that will work for a lot of you. It worked for me. And I think it's the best definition that I know of, not just because I thought it, but just because it makes sense to me. I've been down those rabbit holes. It's a very important thing. That's an immaterial thing. And we're all searching for it. We're all searching for a higher way and... It's sad to me when I see these kids, whether it's celebrity, whether it's someone I know. One kid I knew here, Blue Belt Jiu-Jitsu, was big into that Bitcoin. and I mean, the kid was a genius. His wife divorced him. He committed suicide. Great kid, Brandon. Beautiful kid. 20-some years old. Really nice, sincere person. Dead. Another friend out here, Black Belt. MMA fighter. Hung himself. It's tragic. And for everybody that does, you know, what's interesting about suicide is you have the women attempt, statistically, women attempt suicide more than men. Men succeed at like, I think it's a four to one rate or so. Much more successful at it. There are a lot of people that don't succeed at suicide or it just crosses their mind, but they don't do it. But there's so many people that have that suicide on the rise. It's younger and younger and younger now, too. And even these shootings we're seeing, these are suicidal shootings. People don't care. They loathe themselves. Any mass shooter is a loather, a self-loather. And they're broken. They're broken people. There's a problem there. And so we have an epidemic of that. We have an epidemic of people that are depressed, that don't love themselves, that that are suicidal, that are, or across their mind, empty. We all have that that dire need to 
wrap ourselves around a meaning to life. You give, you give the meaning. You find what's valuable. I mean, every put value in every conversation. Listen intently to every person you're there. Look deep in their eyes. Listen to them. Don't just think, well, this person's not important. I can't network with this person, so I need to get over here and get over to the to the billionaire in the corner of the room, whatever. I mean, people are important. If you only give them three minutes, listen to them as intently as you can for the three minutes. If you're only going to give them two minutes, listen intently. Value them. Care about them. See the oneness in them. What's the oneness? I was asked that question, Brigham Young University, a couple years ago. I went and lectured. You know, extraordinary stories hiding in plain sight. How do you find them? How do you see what others most don't see, including the journalists, including the PR people, most of whom it would disappoint you to know how average they are at their job. You know, professionals, average at best at their job, most miss things, miss details, not curious about things. Anyway, I'm there, I'm lecturing the art of the interview. How do you find these great stories hiding in plain sight? How do you do it? So I started talking about things, and one of the things that came from my mouth was the oneness. Seeing the oneness in people, that's how you connect to people. That's how, what I did as a journalist. I never knew I could be interviewing Gorbachev. I could be interviewing Hillary Clinton, Mitt Romney. I could be interviewing Sylvester Stallone. I could be interviewing someone whose kid died in Iraq. I could be interviewing, going to prison to interview prison inmates, which I did. Every kind of personality. Somebody involved in the scandal, you're interviewing them. Every kind of personality. What do you do? What's the key? The one to see the oneness. Suspend judgment of people. They can see it in your eyes. They don't want to talk with you even if they they know the bad things they've done. We've all done some bad things. Maybe some people didn't get caught, but we all have. It's not the time and place to be judgmental. See the oneness of people. Well, a student raised their hand at BYU lecture said, well, what's, what's the oneness? What do you mean oneness? I didn't have a good answer. I tried. I think I went on, like, you don't have a good answer. You talk longer than you should, right? trying to give like a five-minute explanation of the oneness. But what I think the oneness is, the oneness is looking at other people and realizing every person you see from Avicii to the kid to the world champion to the maid to the janitor to the prison inmate whomever person you married Every person you lay eyes on, you think, that would be me if. Or you think in your heart, too, those are my people. You ever feel far away? Those are my people. But that would be me if. That would be me if what? Dot, dot, dot. That would be you if you were born in the same day, the same year, the same time same place, to the same parents, in the same zip code, in the same environment, with the same DNA, etc., etc., that would be you, that person would be you. So when you look down on people, it's, it's losing sight of that oneness, that there is a birth lottery out there, there is a jackpot too, don't kid yourself, give yourself too much credit, there's a lot of lottery built into life, there is, 
yes, you can influence the luck. Yes, you can be real persistent like somebody like me. Yes, you can be real resilient. Yes, you can be a little more bulletproof. Yes, you can change things, even if you had a, a rough, terrible hand dealt you. I'm not saying that. But do not mistake, there's a lot of lottery and luck built into life. Absolutely. We can have that discussion. I can go on for five hours about that to the people that, that oversimplify luck. Well, you just create your own luck. Yeah, yes and no. It matters. Kids born with one hand, one arm, one leg, no tongue, whatever. LeBron James born. I mean, you, you weren't born with LeBron James. You weren't. Why are you not better at basketball than him? Not just because he works harder, because you weren't born with those genes. You know? Why are, why are certain horses winning the... The, the, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, why? Oh, it's just, no, it's by design. They're, bre- they're very careful and scientific about the breeding. Those champions are bred. There's a lot to be said for God. It's hard to beat God. I got news for you out there. It's hard to beat God. Hard to top God. It's hard to top what God does. Hard to top great genes. You could sit there with the writing stuff, a lot of you, or even the way I make music. Good luck. You ain't going to catch me. You're not going to catch me on certain things, most of you. Why? Because it's in the genes. It's in the DNA. It's in the gift. It's a God, it's God-given gift. Most of you, you're making a mistake going against that. Anyway, the oneness, that's it. See the oneness in as many people as you can and change everything. You can be less judgmental. Be more open. You'll be more loving. You'll be more optimistic. The glass will be half full. The other thing is finding that purpose. I'm sure that, you know, I never met a Beachy. I'm just assuming what's common in a lot of those scenarios is somebody, again, thought, well, this is all there is. I'm on top. I made a lot of money. The world knows my name, and that's it. It's hard to find real people anymore because everybody wants something from you. You're just a connection. You're just someone they need to know, not not someone they really jive with as much. Maybe you throw in some chemicals in the equation because you got money and you're bored. You need those endorphins to fire, and the things that used to make those endorphins fire don't anymore. So you spend more and more money and more trying to get the endorphins, trying to get the CNS to fire. These are real-world problems, though. That's why it's worth talking about. I'm not sitting here just trying to preach like, oh, I have it all figured out. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. I've seen a lot of people call me. A lot of people have called me on Christmas Day, suicidal fighters, professional fighters, suicidal, two-and-a-half-hour phone conversation. I get it. I have to suspend some judgment. This is the important stuff, though. This is the foundational stuff of our lives, the foundational stuff of our lives, the meaning of life. You know, Viktor Frankl, you know, with Man's Search for Meaning, one of the Library of Congress ranks it one of the ten best books of all time. At least that was as of you know, six, seven, eight years ago. Viktor Frankl was fascinating. He had people that were, you know, victims of the Holocaust that were in Auschwitz. And some people who went through those experiences were still happy. The class was still half full. And then you had other people that were, who didn't have hard lives, and they were depressed, and they were suicidal. People who were rich, they were suicidal. You had people, and he had people that were in wheelchairs, and they were happy, and they were they were, they were were counseling people. They were consoling people. They were trying to pick people's spirits up, and they're in a wheelchair, or they're, they're paralyzed from the neck down, happier than people that have all their full use of their body and plenty of money. 
And Victor Frankel, as any of us would have, well, what's going on here? What in the world is going on here? People that should be happy aren't. People that have every reason to complain and, and bitch and be unhappy are happy. What's going on? To me, it goes back to, it's as simple as, take a glass, 16 ounces, fill it up halfway, make it at 8 ounces, fill it up 8 ounces of water. I want you to look at that glass. It's a 16-ounce container. There's 8 ounces of water in there. And I want you to ask yourself the question. Is the glass half full or half empty? Is it half full or half empty? you got to answer that question. Why would you choose half empty? You can sit there and rationalize it and defend it all you want. You can. You can come up with great philosophical reasons and be a skeptic. Well, why would you choose half empty? You have a choice. Two choices. That's essentially all of life. Does God exist or does not God not exist? Is this, does that, does everything. At the end of the day, it's all a metaphor for simple choice that we all have every day in everything we do. Is the glass half full or is it half empty? In everything you do, in everything that's presented before you, that's it. In every situation. Is it half full or is it half empty? You have to decide that. And when it's half empty too long, and if it gets dark enough and desperate enough, and you add enough chemicals in there, and you get people killing themselves. Sometimes they want to take a bunch of people with them too, unfortunately. And we got to do a better job as many factors, many moving parts, why people are taking their lives and so miserable and so depressed, even though there's a lot of resources to them. You grow up in America, we're very lucky compared to the rest of where we are. We have opportunity. You can be born broke here, and you can do all right. You can do all right for yourself. If you keep your head on straight, if you resist a lot of temptation, if you stay focused on something, be a good person. So anyway... This is it. I mean, you know, the glass half full or half empty, that's it. That's why, personally, I'm not here to proselytize to you, but that's why I believe in God 100,000%. Even when I have bad days, I lost my, I'm writing the other day, my Forza Fit Nutrition Program, which I love and which worked, which has worked wonders for me 33 years down in the nutrition rabbit hole. And I'm writing it. I don't have it backed up. And guess who loses 80-some percent of the, of everything I wrote on it, 87% of my program that I give the clients. Guess what? Guess what just vanished? Computer crash. Guess who's been? I mean, I've been swamped with other business, other projects, other meetings the last couple of weeks. Now I got to rewrite that program. Still rewriting it. Still kicked off about that. Yeah, I was mad at God about that. Why are you letting that happen, God? I'm a good person. I mean, what what's going on? I'm good. You let this happen. I mean, what? I mean, ticked about it. I'm still ticked about it. Why bad things happen to good people? Messed up stuff, unlucky stuff, whatever. But at the end of the day, through all the stuff I've been through, and I haven't had an easy life by most measures, it's definitely not been easy. It's been really hard, and in some ways I like the hard life. I, I like doing what other people can't do. I like being in tighter spots and I take pride in the hand not being dealt that well and playing a great hand. I take pride in that. I take pride in being tough. I take pride in, in doing the hard work and 
people don't want to do. I take pride, no steroids, no HGA, no HGH. I take pride in that and getting getting some really darn good results, doing things the right way, living right. I take pride in that. You know, in the same way a Navy SEAL takes pride, there's what, 6,000 or so of them active, inactive in the whole world. And, uh, you know, that means something now. Being a Navy SEAL means something. When I was a Jitsu black belt, one of the first 3,000 or so in the world, that means something because of that. I'm glad that every, that they weed out a lot of people and everybody can't do it. I'm glad I had to climb Kilimanjaro with the, you know, 800-pound backpack, whatever. I'm, you know what, it's good. I learned a lot more that way. Learned a lot more what what the right thing to do and what not to do. So it was hard, and that's all good. But in any event, we all have to find and learn to appreciate that simple life. We go look and look, and my buddy calls it destination-itis. We have destination-itis. We don't have, I just get this destination. It's already in you, man. If you can be happy with 20 bucks in your pocket and have a great day and appreciate the little things, you'll be really happy with $20 million in the bank. And that's the mindset, you know, is that that's what I think of whenever I see, you know, these tragedies like Avicii and it's that. I wish I knew him. I wish that, you know, we all wish, like, maybe, maybe you could say something. But love life, man. Learn to love yourself. And when you learn to love yourself, shine that love and give that light to as many people as you can. And let them pay it forward and see the oneness in people. And then that whole karma thing and everything, all kinds of great things come back to you. But anyway, we've talked about a lot of things. What's your purpose? I told you I mentioned that. The oneness, what's that? The meaning of life, give meaning to life. The meaning of life is to give, you know, is to give, is to give life meaning. Use that brain, learn to appreciate and value the simple life. It's the little things. The little things are the big things in the skies. The inner things, the inner driven. So, I really enjoyed this episode. I'm here. I got a private lesson now, a two-hour private lesson. They teach some jiu-jitsu to a kid, some mind jitsu. 16-year-old just got his driver's license, so maybe talk about that. But everybody, listen, it's a pleasure. Uh, I love what I do. I hope more people will support and listen and email me, Frankie at FrankieForza.com. Would love to hear from you. Any questions, comments, feedback, or inquiries, okay? Have a great day, everyone, and we'll see you again soon. Life Jitsu, Art of Life.